KXNO Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hour number two, Trent Condon here, Ken, and Ken is in Tucson. He'll be back tomorrow before Cyhawk. The basketball game gets started. Ross Peterson in for Ken today. So, uh, Ross, we talked a lot about the basketball game in hour number one. You want to talk a little football here? Absolutely, yeah, man. I, in fact, we haven't uh, we haven't really touched on a lot of football on our oh, show. Yeah, it, it's Let's been talk weird. Bowl hasn't games, it? yeah, yeah. It feels like there is this. This is what happens with the bowl games, right? When you're in the good bowl games, you you've got like three weeks between football games, and mm-hmm. you kind of forget about it. You let your brain get into basketball, and then yeah, that week ahead of time, we're like, oh yeah, football, football, football. And the game gets over, and then it's totally done. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's pick this apart, man, because I think this, these matchups are fun. These are good, exciting games that we should be able to see here on the 27th and 28th. 27th, 28th, Friday night, and then Saturday morning for Notre Dame-Iowa State, the Hawkeyes and USC on Friday evening, 7 o'clock, FS1 for the Holiday Bowl in that one. So, a couple of different perspectives, and I personally, I haven't dug real deep into Notre Dame. Frankly, this might be the least about a Notre Dame football I've watched over the course of a year in a really long time. It just, the outside of the Georgia game, they didn't have a ton of national spotlight games. The Michigan game, they got blown out in that one. So because of that, I, I remember finding myself watching other games that evening. It was just, it's been one of those seasons. Though Notre Dame's 10-2, and two, I don't feel like I know a ton about them short of Ian Book and, you know, kind of the, the cast of characters that you're used to with Notre Dame. USC, same way. You know, I, I know Seoul is going to throw it all over the place, and they're running a system of the air raid offense, something different than what we're used to with USC. Certainly no student body left and right uh, compared to the old days. But away from the individual matchups, we'll get into that as we get closer to these games. The importance of this game, it's an exhibition for both teams. That's all it is. It's an exhibition. There's no championship on the line. There's, there's nothing like that. But what a win or a loss can mean for each side. Let's start with the Cyclones. They get the bluest of blue bloods, Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean th- this is this is the old. Ask somebody that knows nothing about sports; they know about Notre Dame football. And, yeah, and this isn't like uh, this isn't a, a bowl eligible Notre Dame. Right. This is a ten win football team. It's not a six and six team that the, went to the Hawaii the, the, Bowl. Right, this is a team that a, a month ago would have could have made a case for. Uh, well, let's see, a month, two months ago could have made a legitimate case to be in the college football playoff. Yeah. One loss, and it was to an undefeated Georgia team that looked like they were going to be national champions. So, like, this is a really good Notre Dame team. It, this is not I've, cause I because I'm not I'm not sure I've seen a lot of people try to push that. I know Notre Dame fans like our buddy Sean Roberts certainly aren't happy with the way this season played out. They didn't want to be 15th; they wanted to be one of those top Final Four teams. This team is good. We did. Well, I have seen this team a lot, Trent. So this might be one thing I can actually kind of. I don't know, maybe help you out with, because Sean is such a Notre Dame fan. Mm-hmm. Every Saturday, that was one we would watch three games. Yeah. Iowa, Iowa State, and Notre Dame was always that third game that we were finding. And then Nebraska was usually fourth because we just wanted to laugh at them. And, and, and <laughs> It's great, isn't it's it? It's fun. It's fun. And I, and I normally don't like taking joy in 
people's pain, but there's something goofy about this. So we did watch a lot of Notre Dame. They're a really good football team, man. I'm shocked that this is only what, four points, yeah. perhaps, something like yes. that. Yes. If you would have asked me to put a number on this, I would have thought it had been a touchdown. Yeah. Um, like, not that I don't like Iowa State. I just know Notre Dame's a good team. Now, motivation. Uh, there you go, right? You've seen the backlash from the Notre Dame fan base. And when you're in a locker room where you were in that same thing, where two months ago you were thinking, man, fellas, if the chips fall in the right spot mm-hmm. and we've got an argument that we're the best one-loss team in the country to the best, to the, you know, Blah, blah, blah. Didn't work out that way. But you went from that. And, and by the way, two months before that, the conversation was, we're a top four team. We're going to be there. All we got to do is take care of business. You didn't take care of business. Mm-hmm. Now, for Notre Dame, you're playing in the Camping World Bowl. You're 10-2 and two at Notre Dame. And you're playing December 28th at 11 a.m. Central like, Time against Iowa State which is for Iowa State it's like we're in the camping yeah. world bowl we got a chance to make this an eight win game and there I know and Cyclone fans I've don't heard, like this perspective I understand they, they should though they should I mean this is John Walters and Jamie Pollard have both said to us Trent in our show and I can't I, I don't I don't even want to try to repeat it cuz I can't remember what the details of this stat are but this would be the first back to back eight win seasons three straight yeah three straight eight eight win seasons ever yes when when those guys are saying that stuff, it means something, and I'm sure Matt Campbell is able to convey that to these guys and say, "Man, we're we're building this, guys, mm-hmm. and you're part of this, and this is this is the thing. If we beating a 10 win Notre Dame team and putting our third eight win season on for the first time, yes, this is history for us, man. I love. I, I mentioned the Notre Dame fans. They're their bar stool um, night. The Notre Dame site had something that sh- they should just decline the bowl bid, not even go. Notre Dame's done that before, and of course they've already accepted it but because of the because, injustice of having right. to play. Because they're ten and two, and they they should be in the Orange Bowl, and, and really they probably should be. In even the more Bowl. reason to root for the Cyclones to go down there and kick their ass, as like, opposed to you Virginia, know, you elitist. Anyway. But but right before this, as last week was playing out, and most people believed that Iowa State was destined for a return trip to Memphis, and not Memphis against a power conference team, not taking on even an SEC team or an ACC team, but taking on Navy or taking on SMU. And what were many of the Cyclone fans saying at that time? That's not good for the program. I'll I'll, I'll be home for Christmas is what I heard from every Cyclone fan I talked to. I'm not going back to Memphis. I was there a couple years ago. It was fun, but uh, been there, uh, done that. uh, Chris loved it. And Chris, when when we were talking about the different scenarios, Chris said, uh, I don't want to go. Or uh, Chris said, I would go to Memphis. I like Memphis. I had a great time there last year. Now, every other Cyclone fan that I talked to, and I had a chance to get in the ear of five or six during that week, every other one of them said, no, we did it. We've been down there. You know, we're, we're going to be going to Kansas City here in a couple of months. There is no reason for us to get excited about going down to Memphis. Pollard came on our show and said, "If he had to handicap it, he would say that Jamie Pollard or that uh, that it was going to be Memphis." I think that was just about managing expectations. I think Pollard told us that he thought they were going to end up in Memphis, knowing that they had a really good shot of ending up down in Orlando. These, the incestuous relationship of these bowls and the conferences and the schools does benefit us as the fans at some point. Yeah. When Jamie Pollard can explain to all of the Bulls, listen, guys, this will be better for us. This will be better for all of us 
if Iowa State gets a chance to play an elite program in Orlando. Watch us. Jamie Pollard is not a guy that that, that, that gives empty promises. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine he made some promises that said, watch what happens. Put us in Orlando. Because if you put us in Memphis, will we sell our tickets? Yeah. Will we have to market it a lot? Will we have to do some work to get it done? Yep. Mm-hmm. Put us in Orlando and watch what happens. The same thing that happened last year in San Antonio. We're going to be buying Notre Dame's tickets. Most everybody had West Virginia pegged for that bowl. They were in the top ten for much of the season. But Iowa State, Jamie Pollard was able to pull the purse strings and get them there. And they showed up in a big way. You're going to see the same thing certainly happen here. Bill called in a a little bit earlier. He mentioned 1970s with Earl Bruce. They did also have three straight. Okay, all right. Could, I didn't know that. if it was first time ever or yep. first time since. And I'm sorry for that. That seventy six through seventy eight. Okay. Uh, eight and three, eight and four, eight and four. That, all that's three the of those. The thing seasons. about those seasons too. You were playing eleven, and that was yep. when they went to twelve. You said eight, three, eight, four. Well, the, the two, bowl, two bowl games. Okay. Yeah, lost uh, bowl games both years, but eight, <laughs> three, three straight regular seasons. And that's incredible. Yeah. And and Iowa State, we especially as Hawkeye fans, we far too often forget that there was a history before. There is. You know. Went to a Before peach I was conscious that you know, that yeah. happened, but that's that that that's very real. Yeah. Went to a Peach Bowl, played NC State, went to Hall of Fame Classic, back when them. back when bowl games. There was man, a dozen that, of them. Yeah, eight of them maybe. You had to be eight wins in eleven games to do that. Eight wins in ten games. Let's get a call in here. You can join us two eight four five nine six six. Trent Condon, Ross Peterson here. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. We got Ryan on the line. Ryan, what's happening? Good, guys. Uh, a, a couple things. This is on Notre Dame also themselves for not joining a conference. Sure. Uh, I think five years ago they were playing Rutgers in a bowl game, and if they didn't learn from that, <laughs> uh, that that's their own fault, uh, hmm, w- which kind of ties into how lucky and how good the Big Ten has it. You look at our tie-in. Iowa's in San Diego is the fifth or sixth bowl. I mean, that, that's pretty good pickings there. It's a great point, and I think there's also some frustration from the Big 12 and the members of the Big 12 when, you know, your second choice, the Alma Bowl is a great bowl, but it doesn't have that same kind of cachet. It doesn't have that same kind of build. The Outback Bowl is, for all intents and purposes, a minor bowl. It's third place versus third place. It's second tier. But it's a January bowl game, and mm. Iowa fans have held I that over I, Iowa State fans' I, head for a long do time. Do you care about that, Trent? Does I, that mean anything to you? I don't in the slightest. I mean, the, the final two bowl games on the regular bowl game schedule right now, I'm, I'm not even going to pull them up because I don't remember what they are. They're garbage. It's it, it the, the, We get back-to-back games on like January 6th and 7th between seven-win and six-win teams. The, the, those are the final two games, the mm-hmm. January 5th and 6th bowls. So the the date of these things is it's so It's a January bowl game, though. To Ryan's point, I do like... One of the things that the Big Ten has done, is, and we've talked about it off the air a lot, Trent, this deal where they're rotating the games. Nope. You're making sure that you don't go to the same. I think that's great. If you are a fan that gets to go to these bowl games and, and has that sort of income where you plan these trips and, and make this a part of your yearly thing, this is awesome that every year in December you're finding a different fun location to be going to, and, and, and it, they're moving it around. I think that's that's awesome that they do it. Let's get Bill in here. He joins us. Bill uh, helped us out with the 1970s and the throwback with Iowa State. Bill, what do you got for us? Uh, just real quick, guys. Um, for 100 years since Newt Rockney, Notre Dame has been a national you know, team. Yeah. Okay? They will never, ever, they'll be aligned with the ACC in football. That's fine. But they will never, ever join a conference. And you know why? They got more money than God. And they don't want to split it up amongst the conference teams. 
That's why they will never, ever join a conference. Here's the thing, though, Bill. They make more money than people individually with that NBC contract. Mm -hmm. But who makes more television money? Rutgers makes more television money. Northwestern makes more television money. Big Ten deals, ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Everybody in the SEC makes more money strictly from TV. But there's that other factor. And what Bill talked about at the top, that's what people miss. Yes, TV money, conferences as a whole. Every single one of these teams is making more than Notre yeah, Dame. Bill, that's I, I would I, I wish Bill would have hauled on so we could have talked to him about that because he's right right now that Notre Dame had signed a deal they did it on their own. Um, you know, there this is a conversation about like unions. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a union, it's kind of like being in a conference. You've got you've got this bigger bargaining power that happens when you go to the table. Now, you can do it on your own and do better than the guys did that were in the union, right? And it, and I think that that's a little bit of what Notre Dame's attitude here is, we're doing just fine yes. on our own. It's because Bill's, you look at their endowment. Look at They're doing fine. Yes. They got more money than God, as mm-hmm. he says. They don't need those dollars. But right now, the union is making more money. Mm-hmm. Right now, the union has done a good job with the current structure of television deals. So, Bill, you're right. Right now, they're doing just fine. If the current model continues and expands and these television dollars grow and grow and grow, which it looks like they're going to, and those unions continue to far outperform the individuals like Notre Dame, Notre Dame isn't dumb. And what's going to happen? There's a reason that they've got those billions of dollars because they're smart businessmen. They'll join one of those unions, one of those conferences, and cash those bigger checks. If there are multiple years where Notre Dame is left out of a playoff, either the 14 playoff there. or an 18 playoff, yeah. and say, say it was this year, and it was an 18 playoff, and they're at 10-2, and two, and they're not sniffing it, boy, conference championship, that 13th data point would be important. All, or a year. All of a sudden a team shows up and or a conference shows up and says, listen, all you got to do to get into the the, the com- or the college football playoff every year is beat Clemson. Mm-hmm. One game. One we're game. Gonna, we're gonna, we, or, you know, occasionally Florida State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to change. If it was this year, if they wouldn't have lost the game to Michigan, they just had that loss to Georgia. They're 11-1, and one, yet Oklahoma's still above them, and Georgia's still above them even with two losses. Mm-hmm. That decision process Trent, has to change a little bit. We know with regionalism right now, regionalism doesn't matter. Rutgers is a part of the Midwest Conference of the Big Ten. Why wouldn't the Pac-12, who's been left out again, go to Notre Dame and say, let's split this up. Help us out. Because if we bring Notre Dame in, Notre Dame could be a Pac-12 school. If we bring in Notre Dame... They charter everything. If we bring in Notre Dame, our television revenue mm-hmm. is going to go up. We're going to be able to start cashing bigger checks. Notre Dame's going to help our brand big time. And by the way, Notre Dame, when you are an undefeated conference champion in a Power Five, do you think you're in the college football playoff? Well, and you have a chance at 11-2 and two, as opposed to 11-1 even. I, I, that's, I'm, that 13th data point... So anyway, Bill, I, I agree with you right now. I would just say the world changes. So a win for Iowa State as we open the conversation can do a lot. It can help the program in a big way. A loss, I don't think, impacts them very much. Coming up on the other side, though, a loss for Iowa, a loss to USC. What does that do to this season? What does that do to the program going forward? We'll get into that as we continue. Miller and Condon, Ross Peterson in 4K and 14.6. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, just a couple minutes left here with Ross Peterson. David Kaplan going to finish out the program today, taking you up until noon. Ross, I uh, threw it out to you. A loss for Iowa in this bowl game. In itself, a 9-3 regular season. 
a bowl loss to USC. That's a solid year. That's a very good year historically yeah, for Iowa football. Yeah. But you remember what the victory against Mississippi State did to the offseason? You finish on a sour note like that, losing a bowl game after what could have been close to getting over the hump but still not there. Four straight years of not getting to the Big Ten championship game because, Ross, it's not in a vacuum. It's not just about 2019. We all remember seasons previous. And because of that, I think it would lead to a pretty frustrating offseason in Iowa football. Uh, it's funny that you picked that offseason because the bowl game that I always think of, Trent, is the tax slayer mm-hmm. against Tennessee. Yeah. And how just that was an awful off season, man. You were yes. like, oh, geez, where are we going? I mean, I even I I love Kirk Ferentz, and even I in that moment was questioning things. Right? Yeah, no that doubt. Was on the heels of great things. Mm-hmm. It was on the not the heels of, rather that was the kickoff of great things. So, a bad bowl performance can light the necessary fires to do some some incredible things. It, it can. 2015 turned out to be a special year. Right, but I'm totally with you. I'd much rather have an offseason after beating USC in uh, in this bowl game. Um, the, losing it, I you know, I think of it more as what that would do for Nate Stanley's legacy. Legacy. Yeah, we've had this conversation a lot this year on Sound Off and even on on some of the shows here on KXNO about what Nate's legacy is going to be because he's so close to so many of these statistical mile markers and 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 records that he's going to go down as one of the Hawkeyes greatest quarterbacks he needs some like signature he's got some big signature moments that throw against Iowa State is is one of those but man a big win in a bowl game like a great performance I think would be the cherry on top and we'd We'd remember him much more fondly. Be great. A loss. You're looking for a new quarterback. Know, You're looking man. for new tackles. A.G. Epinesa off to the NFL. And maybe not alone could be an interesting spring and into the offseason yeah. for Iowa football. Oh, and by the way, crossovers. Michigan State followed by road trips to Ohio State and Penn State next year. Enjoy it. 2020. David Kaplan joins us next here as we take it into... All right, welcome back here. It's Miller and Cotton on 1460 KXNO, Sweet Home Chicago. David Kaplan joining us here coming up in just moments as he'll be checking in from San Diego. MLB winter meetings. What a winter meetings it has been. Started with the big deal for Steven Strasburg. He becomes the highest page starting pitcher in MLB history. And then just a day later, here comes Garrett Cole and that monster deal with the Yankees. We talked about that a lot earlier with Ross Peterson. A big thank you again to Ross for uh, sitting in with me today. Enjoyed our conversation here throughout this morning. Well, as we get ready to talk some Cubs and White Sox, we'll get some Bears talk in there as well with David Kaplan as he's going to join us in just a little bit. Speaking of the Bears team, you know, as we get ready for this matchup to coming up on Sunday with the Bears and the Packers. And the Bears, winners of three straight, four of their last five. They had that ugly stretch where they were bad. There, there's no two ways about it. This was a bad football team. It started on the road trip out to London. And after the Bears lose the opener to the Packers, look bad doing it, 
They found a way. They won three in a row. They're sitting at three and one. And and for all the preseason prognostications that were out there about this Bears team, felt like they were heading in the same direction. A lot of people thought right back on the path. But they lose in London to the Raiders, and then they lose to the Saints, and then the Chargers, and just an inexplicable loss. Just how bad. You look at the box score of that one. The Bears should have dominated. Lose to an Eagles team that, frankly, isn't very good, and it, it felt like it was a lost season. They were sitting at that point in three and five, but since now they've come back, and they've won four out of five, three straight games. Now, albeit the Giants, Lions, and Cowboys, none of those three have winning records, but Mitchell Trubisky looks more comfortable. Matt Nagy looks more comfortable with what he has offensively. They sit at 7-6, and six, but it really it all comes down to what we're going to see with the Packers. They have to win out? More than likely. They have to get to 10-6 and six, even to have a sniff of the playoffs. That appears to be likely. Packers this week, home for the Chiefs next Sunday night, and then at the Vikings in Week 17 to cap it off, as it's been the last couple of seasons up there at U.S. Bank Stadium. Now the Packers, the Packers are 10-3. and three. They're still the number two seed in the NFC, though it really doesn't feel like it. The 49ers, the Saints, played that epic game last week. They feel like the class. Seattle, you also throw in that mix. It feels like you know those three teams, at least in my mind, are different than the Packers, but the record indicates something completely different. And maybe it's the way that the Packers lost to the 49ers 37-8. What happened in the road trip out to L.A. to take on the Chargers as they were blitzed 26-11? Perhaps that's the reason that I'm not completely in with this Green Bay team. Maybe it's just the fact that it's been a lot more Aaron Jones than many people anticipated. And Aaron Rodgers, though he's still putting up numbers, it feels like there has been a drop-off. Is that sacrilegious to say? Well, as a Bears fan, he's probably going to rip my heart out, throw for 380 and four touchdowns on Sunday. Certainly could see that happening, but it does feel like Aaron Rodgers has taken a step back. I'm excited. I'm excited for a Bears game and something that, going back to September, I didn't think was going to be the case with this year's team. We're in December. It's a big matchup. I'm excited for it. And as a fan, I think that's all you can ask for. You know, as a Bears fan, I've had so many lost seasons. that When it gets to this point, you watch, you flip it on, but you know what? The wife says, you know, we got some errands to run. Doesn't exactly tear at your heart like it did early in the season. I've had a lot of those years. And at least for right now, it doesn't have that feeling of a lost season. That they're is some hope for the future. And I still believe that you need to bring in some competition next year. For Mitchell Trubisky, you have to have another direction that you go that way. But as a fan, that's where I sit here today. Let's get him in here. David Kaplan from NBC Sports Chicago, ESPN 1000. It's presented by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Big thank you to the guys out there at Centurion Stone helping us bring on Cappy each and every week. Beautiful veneer products for the interior or the exterior of your home, Centurion Stone of Iowa. You can find them online, just like I said, centurionstoneofiowa.com is where you can find it. See what they're going to do for the outside, the inside of your house and making your project look big time, Centurion Stone of Iowa. He is in the winter meeting, San Diego. Cappy, it is cold in the Midwest. Got a good location for this year's winter meetings, huh? Yeah, I wish it was a little bit warmer, but people who are listening going, Shut up, stop. <laughs> it was 64 yesterday. I was hoping for like 88, but I'll take it. It was awesome. It's great to be in this vibe, and I look forward to this every year. Talk to you guys before from the winter meetings, and this time the thaw seems to have set in, and we have actually had some deals, and 
you know, Garrett Cole is one wealthy young man today. That he is. $324 million contract with the Yankees. Nine years for Garrett Cole. And now the biggest name in free agency is off the board. So take us to last night as this is going on. It's not a quote-unquote a team that you're covering there with the Cubs and the White Sox. But as this is going on, is there buzz? Are you out to dinner? Are you out for a drink? What's kind of going on? Take us to the environment last night as this played out. Yes, to all of the above. Yes, I had an old-fashioned sitting in front of me. Nice. I'm at dinner with two of my producers, one radio, one TV. I'm with Chuck Garfine from NBC Sports Chicago, and we are having dinner with my best friend in the world, who you've heard me talk about, who lives in San Diego, uh, Kevin O'Neill, the former head coach of you know 15 different schools and the, the Toronto Raptors. And now he lives in San Diego, and he's just counting his money and enjoying life. So we all went out to dinner, and... We keep our Twitter feed open because, you know, if the Cubs or White Sox make a move, we literally have to get up from the table, leave, and start doing an emergency video podcast for NBC, and I've got to be on Twitter. So, you know, it's, it's fun. You're just, just a vibe. You're just locked in. And so all of a sudden now the Nomar Mazzara deal goes down. Not that big a deal, but it's still a deal, and it's Chicago, so we finish dinner, our White Sox guys take off, and they go do the emergency podcast on that deal. And the Garrett Cole news drops, and we're, we had been making our predictions. And one of the guys at the table said, I'm telling you what he's getting, 9 for 324. And he nailed it right on the number. And, you know, the evil empire is back. They had held spending in check in 16. They traded away Araldis Chapman and Andrew Miller and Carlos Beltran. And now they feel like, okay, we're all in. Unfortunately, the team I cover, the Cubs, they're not at that point. They are not all in. Yankees have won back-to-back 100-win seasons. For the first time, uh, they won the AL East since 2012. And now they're pushing their chips in the middle, going, game on, let's go. And good for the Yankee fans. They deserve it. It's been a while. You know, I retweeted uh, your, your tweet from the other day, talking about the difference, as you were talking to an agent, between what the Cubs are doing and what the White Sox are doing. Just completely different than what we're used to. The White Sox are out there trying to make deals, trying to spend money in the Cubs. Cost-cutting Cubs. I know that's frustrating to a lot of Cubs fans right now. It is frustrating to Cubs fans. They are you know, to the point where, well, what do you mean? You charge the second-highest ticket price, and you now are going to cut payroll. But then you look and you go, wow. The Astros have basically admitted that they're going to cut payroll. And the Boston Red Sox, they're cutting payroll. So it's a sign of the industry that if you are a repeater in the luxury tax, the, it's empty. Uh, it's empty. Uh, if, the, if you're a repeater on the tax, the penalties get more and more punitive. And so the Cubs look and go, okay, yep, we are losing about $60 million in payroll, 65 with Cole Hamels and Ben Zobrist and Brandon Kinsler and Steve Ciszek and Pedro Strope and, you know, the $3 million falls off the book to Brian Dunsting, who you guys saw in Iowa. So there's a number of, you know, big contracts coming off. Everyone's like, well, you got all that money, go spend it. Well, hold on a minute. Chris Bryant's going to go from 10 to probably 18, maybe 19. Uh, uh, from 10 to like 18 or 19. And then Javi Baez is going to go from 5 to at least 10. 
And so as you start to add all this up, Wilson Contreras is going to go from making no money to serious money. And so thank you very much, ma'am, getting my morning coffee as I get ready to do radio <laughs> after I talk to you. Um, so my point is that you start adding it up, and you're like, whoa, the $60 million that fell off the books is actually basically gone, and you haven't improved your team yet. And so the Cubs look and think, well, our bullpen wasn't good enough. We've got to replace those guys. And they've got no wiggle room. So that's why they are trying to get under the luxury tax. So you do what's called resetting. When you reset under the luxury tax, the penalties go away if you're under. And then you now have that opportunity that when you feel you're ready to go again, you can step on the accelerator and you're not being taxed at a higher rate, potentially losing draft picks if you go too far over. So that's where the Astros are. That's why the talk of the meeting last night was Carlos Correa could be on the move and more. That's why they weren't in play on Garrett Cole. That's why the Red Sox are looking to move money, whether that's Mookie Betts or whoever it is. And then you put yourself in the position of the White Sox, and you go, well, we haven't been in the luxury tax. We may not be quite there yet, but we are willing to spend, and we have a checkbook. Now they've got to find someone to take their money. You know, just uh, to that point, I was reading a Sun-Times article from Gordon Wittenmeyer. He was talking to an agent the other day, said uh, basically – they were offering up a mid-rotation arm, four or five million dollars, and the Cubs couldn't even do that because they're clearing books. I mean, this is, I think, maybe even a little bit more dire than some Cubs fans are realizing. Of course, they're not going to be in the coal and the Strasburg sweepstakes and, and names like that, but we're talking about some very, very low-end moves that, at, rate, at least at this point, the Cubs aren't in on. Is it all a waiting period for Chris Bryant? Is that what it, this comes down to, waiting what the decision? Is there going to be a trade? Is there going to be an extension for Chris Bryant? I do not think there'll be an extension for Chris Bryant. I don't. Uh, look, he's got two more years of control, potentially one if he wins his grievance, but nobody here other than Scott Boris thinks he has a chance to win the grievance. Now, every time we've doubted mm. Scott Boris, we've all gotten burned. Oh, he's got a mystery team, and he'll never get that much money for this guy. And in the end, he always has the last laugh. So, look, here's where the Cubs are at. As I explained to you, that they've got some luxury tax implications. That's number one. Number two, this team isn't good enough as currently constituted. So if I said to you, okay, Mr. Ricketts, the, the hell with the luxury tax. Let's go get Garrett Cole. First of all, if you drop Garrett Cole onto the Chicago Cubs, are they a contender to win the World Series? I, I, I don't think so. He's a very good pitcher, but you still have a question mark. <clears throat> excuse me, at second base, mm-hmm. you have a question mark at your in your rotation because you lose Cole Hamels. We don't know what Quintana is. Lester's aging. Kyle Hendricks is good, and you Darvish is good. Who's your? I mentioned who's your closer. Okay, if you look at the rest of your team, who's on your bench? So just dropping one thirty-five million dollar player in there doesn't put you over the top. Whereas the New York Yankees, they get everybody back. They've done a really good job at not being in the luxury tax, and so they add Garrett Cole to the mix. They lose D.D. Gregorius' money. Like, it's a net positive for them for what they're adding. So the Cubs are just in a different place. Talking with David Kaplan, NBC Sports Chicago. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. All right, Kappa, you mentioned a little bit earlier Nomar Mazzara as the White Sox make a deal for the outfielder. Some tantalizing power. He had the longest home run in baseball last year, over 500 feet. He's got some pop in that bat. Still a young guy, just 24 years old. How good of a player do you expect him to be in Chicago with the Southsiders? 
Uh, I think it's all up in the air. I think he is a guy that's got some ability, obviously. What did he have, 100 RBIs at age 22 with a 22-home run season, 21-home run season? He's very solid defensively. He's athletic. And you're bang on upside that, you know, these guys may take a little longer to develop. I hope that they're right. They gave up a prospect who, okay, he's a prospect, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's a Class A player, Steel Walker. They like him. It's not like you're giving up Fernando Tatis Jr. like they did a few years ago. It's not like this is the second coming of Javi Baez or Chris Bryant. Nice player. you got to give something to get something. And you're trying to get better in right field than what they were last year where they were basically non-existent. Your starting right fielder party yesterday was Lurie Garcia. That's not going to be enough to compete. So I have no problem with the deal. They just have to add pitching. They lost out on Zach Wheeler. Are you really going to pay Madison Bumgarner? Five years and north of $100 million. Not sure I would go down that road. Cole and Strasburg being gone means the Angels are desperate for arms. They're going to overpay for you know, arms that may not be at the top of the game anymore. So this is going to be a, a tough thing to turn around, and you don't want to give up your high-end prospect if you're the White Sox like Luis Robert. Those guys are untouchable. So it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act that Rick Hahn is trying to pull off. Cappy, uh, not just baseball, of course, this week. The Bears back in it. They're on that sheet that they show, uh, the graphic that goes up during football games in the hunt. That's where the Bears are at 7-6. and six. It's Green Bay this week, a road trip to the Packers. Cap, as you, I think, have learned throughout the years, I'm not the most optimistic of Bears fans out there. You always have a little bit more optimism than I do. So tell me why I should hop all the way back on this bandwagon and get ready for the final three games. Uh, because Mr. Trubisky looks like he is playing better, looks like the coach is figuring out the best way to utilize him. And while they they may win out and not make the playoffs, they may lose the last three, I feel better about where they're at. Mm-hmm. Too. And we'll just let this play out now. Let's see where we're at and see if they can find a way to finish the season strong and then make a couple moves in the offseason, upgrade the offensive line, and see if we can make this thing work. Um, I'm just telling people, enjoy the ride the last three games. See how Mitch does. Maybe they do win in Green Bay. Green Bay was terrible last week. Aaron Rodgers was awful. He's a great player. He didn't have a good week against the Washington Redskins. So maybe, just maybe, they can go out and pull the upset and make the Chiefs game really entertaining on Sunday Night Football. Vikings fans certainly going to be uh, big fans of the Bears coming up this weekend. And every time I see the Packers, one of my earlier football memories is Charles Martin taking Jim McMahon to the turf on the shoulder and completely change it. So my hatred of the Packers, uh, it's going back quite a long time. Just any time you see that green and gold brings a, a certain, I don't know, just a certain impact for me as a Bears fan going back to them. For me, it's the most hated rival. Yeah, I grew up in my family we hated two teams it was the st louis cardinals in baseball it was the green bay packers in football i've spread that to also not be a fan of the university of notre dame football team (laughs) so those are probably my three that i root against but the packers are right there at the top of the list so i'm excited for this game and i'm excited to see what mitch does and We'll let this whole thing play out. It's a lot of fun. It is, no doubt about it. David Kaplan checking in from San Diego. The MLB winter meetings going on. Cappy, as always, thank you so much for your time. 
Hey, man, have a great day. Always love being on with you, and happy, healthy holiday season to everybody. Thanks for always listening. That's David Kaplan joining us here. It's presented by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Centurion Stone of Iowa gives you a variety of styles, patterns, and colors to help the exterior or interior of your home. Find out what Centurion Stone of Iowa can do for you at their showroom, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Open 8 to 5 Monday through Friday and Saturdays from 8 to noon, Centurion Stone of Iowa, who brings us David Kaplan each and every week here on Miller & Condon. Well, as we wind down here on a Wednesday afternoon, a big thank you again to David Kaplan for hopping on with us right before the show. Thanks to Ross Peterson, who sat in with me during the beginning portions of the program today. Always good to catch up with Ross. So many different directions that the conversation seemingly goes each and every time. Really love uh, talking with Ross and bringing a different perspective on what a day for it. The day after Garrett Cole signs with his New York Yankees. Nine years, $324, million a year. He's got to opt out in there. Boy, baseball. MLB winter meetings continue on. Cappy is there. Lots of reports going on. And uh, I'm going to be keeping my eye on that. Even with all the football going on, always keep that eye on the winter meetings. And, and it comes at a very good time right as we finish off the regular season of college football. We got Army-Navy coming up this weekend. I always love that game. Always entertained by it. Seemingly each and every year going old school. I've told this story before. I plan on going to that game at some point in my life. It's on the bucket list, no doubt. Me and one of my best friends are going to go out there. Now we said years down the line. It's not at the top of the list, but it's a place that I certainly want to go. A place that I want to be for that game, for that matchup. Whenever it'll be, wherever it'll be coming up, I'm sure it'll be incredibly cold. Seems like that's the case every single year. Doesn't matter if it's in Baltimore or Philadelphia. It is freezing each and every time. Army coming up this weekend. We got the FCS playoffs. What a big week from you and I. As we talked about earlier, what they did last night, beating a ranked Colorado team on the year, on the road. And then you couple that with another road trip against a, a decent Grand Canyon team. It'll be a great environment. That's what it always is. That's what that program has done down in Phoenix with Dan Marley as the head coach. Then Friday night in the football matchup as they get second seed to James Madison. Could be an epic week for Panther Athletics. And a lot of times the Panthers get shortchanged. We're so deep into Hawkeyes and Cyclones that the Panthers, the Bulldogs, they get the short end of the stick many times. But I'll tell you what, a chance at a special, special week for you and I, and we got a lot more uh, coming up here as we complete the week on that. FCS playoffs going on, bowl games right around the corner, and of course tomorrow it is Cy-Hawk Day as we get ready for Iowa-Iowa State on the basketball hardwood, a matchup that very well, in the end, this could mean a whole lot more than what it does. Football, it's 1-12. of That's why it has the added importance, plus it's football. And football just moves the needle more than anything else on the sports calendar. It's what it is. But this basketball game, the way both these teams look at this point, look pretty good. The possibility of Jordan Bohannon shutting it down after this game. So many different storylines. So many different ways. Iowa, how they played in Hilton, yet can't get over the hump and actually get victories. Trying to win there for the first time since 2003. The histrionics of last year. The pushing and shoving that was going on. Pemsel and Jacobson mixing it up. Connor McCaffrey getting the nose in the middle of things. Prome running out to the middle of the floor. Just all these different angles. It's going to be a charged environment. We got a full day of that coming your way tomorrow on the program. Coming up tonight, 
What hits you on the sports calendar? We'll get some Big Ten hoops. Wisconsin, they're at Rutgers. Eh. Michigan's at Illinois. Maybe. How about this? Michigan just a one-point favorite. And if you jumped on with me yesterday, told you Penn State a live, live matchup against Ohio State, an Ohio State team that looked incredibly good. That one, that one, I think I'm going to be on the Illini. Might be on the Illini here tonight in that one. Big 12, not a whole lot there. Kansas State hosting Alabama State. TCU Winthrop, yuck. Your only other matchup with a ranked team is Arizona hosting UNO. That's right, Nebraska-Omaha making their way to Tucson for that one. We'll see if Ken's going to catch that as he'll be back with us tomorrow. That's right, folks. Ken Miller back with us as we get ready for Iowa-Iowa State as he's making his way back from Tucson and the horse racing convention out there. That'll do it for the program today. Thanks again to David Kaplan for joining us. Thanks to Ross Peterson for filling in with me today. Really enjoyed our conversation with him. Murph and Andy come your way at 2 o'clock today. The Sports Fanatics at 4. And we begin the day. Cyhawk Day tomorrow with the Morning Rush at 6 a.m. Ken and I back at you tomorrow at 10. Thanks for listening. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO.